welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. However you define about success, he cares about significance. In God's world, success looks like significance. What significant legacy are you leaving behind? Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. What good, what significant legacy are you investing in right now to leave behind for the next generation and the one after that? Success does not look the way that, to God, the way that we define success. Success is all, in God's heart, significance. What kind of eternal impact are you investing in for the next generation? You can have all your stuff, but in the end, it's not going to come with you. So what are you doing right now to leave something behind for the next generation? That's significant. But there is no, let me reword it, no significance without sacrifice. Sacrifice is at the helm, is at the beginning of everything that becomes significant. I love how quiet it gets in this room. Our ability to manage greatness is directly tied to the proportion of our sacrifice. Our ability to manage great, if you want to manage greatness and see the greatness that's knocking at your door right now continue to increase in your life, it is tied directly to your ability of yours to, to sacrifice over and over again. What creates culture? Consistency. Something that you do over and over again to cultivate something that becomes normal. Culture is when you go into someone's home and, and you feel something you can't describe. It's not because they've done something. It's because they are something. Culture is created from a place of who you are, not what you do. Because who you, who you are ends up becoming something that you do. But if you just do a few things once or twice, it's not culture. you got to become it and then do it over and over and over and over again until it becomes normal. Like, generosity is culture. You're not generous because you gave one time to someone who was in need on the street. It was a generous act, but if you want to be generous, do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Just make it culture. It's just who you are. So what you do is an overflow of who you are. You're not thinking about doing it. It's like brushing your teeth. Do you have a culture of brushing your teeth? Probably, right? Do you have to think very much about it? It's something you just do, right? Because you value what? clean teeth, hygiene. You don't want to stink, you know, like you value it for all the dentists in the house. Woohoo! You know, you value, you value, but you don't think about it, do you? Because it's who you are. You value hygiene. So whatever you are will overflow in what you do, and that creates culture over time, consistently. Are you hearing this this morning? Managing great means great responsibility. If you want to manage greatness, that means you're going to have to manage great responsibility. 
Because you cannot disconnect responsibility from sacrifice. If you are responsible for something in life, sacrifice is always attached to that responsibility. You will sacrifice over and over again within that responsibility. Managing great means great responsibility. Managing responsibility is a byproduct of navigating the sacrifices needed along the way. I believe God wants to restore some confidence this morning again. I believe it's a theme of the season. I believe there are people in this room that have lost their confidence, lost their faith gumption, lost their step, lost their strength, and they were once in a good spot and maybe life hit them hard and they've been knocked down. But I believe that in this season, there's going to be a group of people that get back up again. And I say group because there's a group of you collectively in this house, in this room, that need some new strength, that need an, a re-energized faith, an awakened faith, a revived faith because you've been knocked down. And God wants to restore confidence again where you've lost confidence in God. You've been confident in your own ability and it's got, God got you very far. But God wants to give you a new confidence again where you become confident again in Him. Let's do this. I believe that's, that's a word. Let's do this. I want to talk about the connection between responsibility and sacrifice. And I want to, I want to just read this parable, okay? I want to go to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read it out of the message translation. Man, it's quiet in here. I like, I like conversation, you guys. It's like I'm talking on the phone. It's like, are you still there? Hello? Hello? Are you still there? You know, it's like, it's like you know that, that feeling? Well, that's how I feel in church most of the time with you guys. But I love you. So come on. You, you, we got to engage here a little bit. We got to connect here. Okay. It's really quiet in this room too. Okay. So you got to understand up here it's very quiet. Right, John? It's just very quiet. John and I are like, man, is anybody alive in here, you know? I know the weather's got you down a little bit. But John's going to bring you up. <laughs> Luke 12, Luke 12, verse 42. The context of this is this chapter, he's, he's warning. He's warning, Jesus is talking, he's warning about hypocrisy. And he's talking about the parable of the rich fool. And he's teaching on money and possessions. And then talking about being ready, being ready for the Lord's coming being ready when he comes back and it's all gonna it's all gonna end we want to be ready this whole journey right now is about being ready for what God has for us one day but also for what God has for us now okay you, you don't have to worry listen you could have all kinds of amazing eschatology eschatology is the study of the end you can have all the amazing the amazing eschatology you want but if you're not active right now forget your eschatology I don't care about your eschatology if you're not living the way God wants you to live now, activating what God wants you to activate now, I could care less about how amazing your eschatology is. Because in the end, you don't even know. It's, there's still interpretation. But I, what I want now is I want all that I can get right now. I want to access everything I can get right now. I want to live my best right now. God's best right now. Not one day waiting for me to be swept up by the sweet by and by, whatever that means. I want it all now. I want God, his best, now present. John 10, verse 10. The enemy has come to lie, steal, and destroy your life, but God has come to give you a life, a super, the word is, a super abundant life. 
So what does abundance, superabundance look like? The word actually is superabundant. That's what it actually means in the Greek. It's a superabundant life. What does that mean? What does that look like in my finances, in my health, in my relationships, in my community? What does that look like in my career? What does superabundance look like? Well, that's what we're discovering as we live and connect with him day by day. So I'm going to read this, Luke chapter 12, verse 42. Let me read it out of the message translation. The master said, let me ask you, who is the dependable manager full of common sense that the master puts in charge of his staff to feed them well and on time? He is a blessed man if when the master shows up, he's doing his job. It's a good word for some of you as employees when the boss shows up. Now, you don't just do your job when he shows up. That you do your job like he's always there. Okay, and this, this whole context, remember, this whole construct is built around this idea of being ready for when he comes back, for when Jesus comes back. And he's paralleling what he's saying. We're using a parable to describe what it's like to work in an environment for a boss and actually live like you're not ready when the manager shows up. Okay, let me keep reading. The master said, let me ask you, who is the dependable manager? Full of common sense, because it's, it's common sense to be dependable. If you want to be a good manager, you want to be dependable. That the master puts in charge of his staff to feed them well and on time. He is blessed when the master shows up. If he are up, he, sorry, if when the master shows up, he's doing his job. But if he says to himself, the master is certainly taking his time. God's certainly taking his time. We've got lots of time left. If he begins maltreating the servants and maids, throwing parties for his friends and gets drunk, the master will walk in when he least expects it give him the thrashing of his life and put him back in the kitchen peeling potatoes. So you may have graduated from the kitchen washing the dishes and now you're a host and it's all good. Look, look, I've graduated. I've been promoted. But let me just tell you, that graduation won't last very long if you don't keep things in check, stewarding and being responsible with the new promotion that you have. Okay, so now he's going to go back to peeling potatoes. Verse 47, the servant who knows what his master wants and ignores it or insolently does whatever he pleases will be thoroughly thrashed. <laughs> this is really intense. But if he does a poor job through ignorance, as in like he didn't really know, he's kind of ignorant, like he didn't really understand the concept of uh, integrity and character and being responsible for what he has, he'll get off with a slap on the hand. And I love this statement. This is what I want you to hone in on right now. Great gifts mean great responsibilities. And greater response, or and, and, and sorry, and greater gifts, greater responsibilities. So let me just rephrase it. Like, whatever that you have right now that is good means a lot of good responsibility for you. But even better, even gooder, I know it's not a word, but even gooder Blessings and, and strengths and promotions in life require even better, greater responsibilities. You with me? So you can have good. You can have good and you need to have like a good management system to manage that good. But you can have even greater and that requires even greater responsibilities. It's a lot easier, let me just tell you this, to manage to manage the little than it is to manage the a lot. It's a lot easier to manage less than manage more. Everyone wants more in life. 
But if you can't manage little, you won't be able to handle the more. Other versions would describe it like this. To whom much is given, much is required. We all want more. If I just win the lottery, oh man, I'm going to be like the first knocking on the door of the church and buying them a building. Probably not true. But it's true. If you can't manage one dollar out of your ten, you will not be able to manage a million if you win it in the lottery. If you can learn to build and be responsible with the little that you have, God will graduate you over time to handle the more. So write this down if you're taking notes. Sacrifice is responsibility. You cannot separate the two. Responsibility is a part of sacrifice. And I want to talk briefly today about what it looks like to manage your life for the more that God wants to give you access to. So we're managing what we have right now for more. There is no responsibility without sacrifice, and there's no sacrifice without responsibility. Go to Romans 12 really quick. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, Paul's encouraging the church at Rome. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, the believers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice. Talks about how this is, this is, this is worship. This is your act of worship. Sacrifice is our responsibility when it comes to God. Everything in life that's good in our life will come as a result of being responsible with what God's given us, but that always looks like sacrifice. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Okay, so God wants to give you something, and He wants you to manage that something so that you have access to the more of that something. And to get there, you have to continually make sacrifices along the way. And number one is to offer all of yourself as a sacrifice. Your whole body, your whole life. If you want to worship God, it's not just coming in here on a Sunday and lifting your voice and lifting your hands. That's just one small piece of the puzzle that is an expression of worship. Worship is your life dedicated to God and everything. Your act, your rational, logical act of worship looks like offering all of yourself in dedication as a sacrifice. That's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. It's a living sacrifice. The more significance or the more success, the more sacrifice. The more blessing that comes into our life, the more management that is required of that sacrifice. You know, Psalms 127 verse 3 says, children are a blessing from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. You know that scripture? Children are a blessing. They are a reward from Him. Children. Children. Are children easy to parent? It's a very responsible vocation, isn't it? You have to be responsible. you got to manage. You have to learn to build new systems in your life if you're not a parent when you have children. Because now all of a sudden you're managing someone's soul. You're not an owner of their soul. You're simply a steward. We own nothing. God is the owner. He owns the cattle, the Bible says, on a thousand hills. Well, that, that's, that, 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 that illustration or that imagery is about he owns even what you don't see. He owns it all because you can't see a thousand hills. So he owns it all. He, he owns it all. It's his. It's his. It's his. 
He's the owner. We are simply the stewards. We are the sensible servants, the faithful servants he's talking about in this parable that are called to be ready for his return, to manage and steward what God has given us, continually multiplying it so we continually grow into the John 10, 10 experience, which is the super abundant life he's called us to live here. We only get there by being faithful and managing what he's given us. So children are a blessing, but we know that children also at times, let me just say this, in every blessing, there are moments when you feel like even the blessing is a burden. Now, we know it's not. That's, it's not. It's a bad word to use, especially in the context of children. But there are feelings in moments when we're tired, when we feel like, man, this is overwhelming. It feels as though it's not a burden, but it feels like it is at times a burden. You with me? So it feels like a burden, but it's not. But what, what's happening is the more responsibility, the more sacrifice, and the harder it gets. It's, listen, it's easier to manage money when you have no money. Yeah, I mean, no one likes it. But let me just be honest. It's easier to manage money when you have no money. All of a sudden, when you have money, you have things to pay, you have responsibility, it feels like sacrifice all the time. Kids feel like sacrifice all the time. You go on vacation. I go on vacation with my four kids. I love my family. I'm so thankful for my family. I have four healthy, strong, amazing, awesome kids. People ask me after if I go on vacation with my family, how's vacation? My response usually is like, well, it's not really restful for if I'm if you're asking me how do I do I feel refreshed? No, I feel tired and drained. But I love it. It's amazing memories. I, I it's not about me in those. You know what I'm saying? It's not about me in those moments. It feels like sacrifice. Vacation is sacrifice. Because now I'm managing more in my life. I have more responsibility. That equals more sacrifice if I want significance in my life. And so the things that used to bring me refreshment do not bring me refreshment the same way now that I have four kids. And we're pregnant. No, I'm just joking. We're not pregnant. No. <laughs> Better be careful of jokes I make. Um. But remember this, Luke 12, verse 48 says, Great gifts mean great responsibilities, and greater gifts, greater responsibilities. Listen to this. Write this down or take a picture on the screen if you have this. If God will do great through you, he will give great responsibility to you. If God is going to do great things through you, that means get ready for great responsibility. If you don't want stress, don't be a leader. If you want everything to be easy, everyone to like you, be alone, have no friends. If you want to do anything of significance, expect it's going to feel like sacrifice. It's going to feel like sacrifice. I think sacrifice is almost like a swear word now. For, for, for certain people and a certain generation of thinking. It's like a swear word. Getting up early is like a swear word. You know, all this, you know, it's, it, oh, but this is how I feel. And we're so concerned about how we feel, we don't understand sacrifice. Sacrifice hurts. Sacrifice is painful. Sacrifice is like putting your all in when you have nothing left to give and feel like you have no all to put in. 
Listen to this. If God will do greater things in you, he will expect even greater responsibility from you. So what do you want? You want greater, greater. I want greater. You're going to have a hard life. Greater means hard. <laughs> greater equals difficult. Greater equals stress at times, managing stress. Greater equals pain. Greater equals, I was saying to somebody, you know, I was in Israel 2004, and I was in a way different place in my life. I was in Israel about three weeks ago, 15 years later, and the way that I could appreciate Israel now, being there 15 years later, is a totally different space. Why? I've been through some stuff in the last 15 years. I'm more seasoned in my perspective. I'm more seasoned in the word. I'm more, there's more of a maturity within me to handle and manage this moment even better now. But I had to go through some stuff along the way to get there. Are you hearing this this morning? So remember, there is no success or significance without sacrifice. If you want to keep everything in, you're not going to reap anything in the end. If you want to hold your sacrifice in, you want to hold the responsibility, you don't want to be involved in anything, you're not going to reap the reward and the benefits that God wants to give you. A hand that keeps, write this down, is not a life that reaps. If you want to hold and hoard everything for yourself, you will not reap. God cannot bless an open hand. God wants to give you a thousand dollar check today. But if your hand is closed, he can't get it in. Right? You got to open your hand. You got to let go. You got to let God in. You got to sacrifice. You got to invest. You have to step out. You have to manage what you have by being a steward of what you have. The one guy who had one talent hid it away, and what happened to it? He lost it. For fear, it says, he hid the one thing he had. The other guys, five and two talents, they multiplied it. They had their hand open. They invested it. It came back to them. It doubled. The guy with one for fear of losing all that he had went and hid it away hoping that it would do something. Let me tell you, if your hand is closed, you will not reap. So really quickly here, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to give you four things that we sacrifice for when managing for more. We want to manage and increase our ability to handle greatness. I want to give you four quick things. Number one, write this down. We have to sacrifice or we have the sacrifice of dependability. Write that down. The sacrifice of dependability. Let's see what it says in Luke 12 really quick. The master said, let me ask you, who is the dependable, say dependable, dependable manager full of common sense? How did he become dependable? By being responsible by sacrificing. He became dependable because when he didn't want to get up, he still got up. He became dependable because he had a commitment. When he had a commitment to show up at a certain time, even if he was sick, broke a nail, had a bad night, didn't sleep, he was dependable. He, you are dependable because of what you consistently do over and over and over again. He had a culture of dependability, but that did not come without sacrifice. That was his responsibility responsibility once again is sacrifice sacrifice is responsibility you cannot disconnect the two together from each other the master said let me ask you who is the dependable manager i don't know but i want to be a dependable steward for what god wants to do in my life 
So when God says something, I do it. How many, how many want that? When God says something to you, listen, when God speaks to you, you know good things are going to happen. Even if it sucks right after. You know eventually something good's going to happen out of it. Nothing bad comes out of God's mouth. Even if it sounds bad and it's hard to hear, it's for your good. So good always comes from God who is good. God does not do good. He is good. He does not just do good. He is good. He is a good dad. He is a good father. That's who he is. His character is good all the time. So if you feel like you're getting bad right now, you feel like you're being, let's call it disciplined right now, it's for your good. It's hard, it's for your good. God is good. <laughs> and all the time, he is. <laughs> the sacrifice of dependability. I want to be dependable. I know this has been, um, it's, it's hard sometimes because, you know, when I go out, in public, there are times that I just want to go out and just be normal. And God always hijacks me. I get into these conversations. I, I end up prophesying over people. I end up getting words. I have to stretch my faith. I end up praying for people. I, things happen. I feel responsible for what God's given me. God's given me faith. Just like he's given you faith, I'm no different than you. I just choose to look like an idiot sometimes and you don't. It's the only difference. I just choose to fail and make mistakes, and sometimes you don't. I just choose to be willing and surrender, and sometimes you don't. That's the only difference between me and you. I can share a crazy story with you about how God's used me, and you're like, oh, that's so cool if I could just do that. Or maybe it's not, not for you. You think it's not for you. It's, it's just for me. That's not true. I just choose to continue to lean into what God wants to do everywhere I go. I want to be dependable. And that means sacrificing my own needs and wants. When I'm on a plane and I'm tired and somebody asks me what I am, what I do, you know, where, it always opens the conversation. Somebody asks me, what do I believe? It opens the conversation. Somebody asks me to interpret a dream. It opens the conversation. I can't tell you how many hundreds of flights I've taken where I've wanted to sleep and ignore the person beside me because I'm tired. And somehow God brings me into a conversation of sharing faith, prophesying over them. They end up giving their lives to Jesus. But to get there, it was sacrifices. I didn't feel it. I didn't want to talk any to anybody. I was saying to our team, despite what you think about me, I'm actually way more introverted. I'm an introvert. When God comes on me, I am an extrovert. In that God space of assignment, I'm an extrovert. But normally, privately, I'm an introvert. And I'm okay with that. So when I get in modes where I'm tired, I'm like, I just don't want to, like, have a conversation. And so my wife and I, we were, like, I was sharing this story in our, in our, our leadership training this morning, which, by the way, you should come, 855. It's awesome. Some people like it. If you're not here, you're missing out. But honestly, I, um, I, I was, uh, I was, we were in the South South, we were in Venice on, on Monday, Venice Beach on Monday, that area, and we were just killing some time before some of the meetings that we had, and, and we went into the store, and the store wasn't even open, it was like late morning, early afternoon, I can't remember exactly, I think it was late morning, and uh, I was tired still, like we had a rough, like long flight, I haven't been feeling well since Brazil, and so we landed, and uh, you know, got everything situated, and, and the next day we were kind of, you know, in the store, and the guy let us in early. He wasn't even open yet, and the guy kind of brought us in, said, hey, you can come in, check it out. So we came in, and honestly, I was still tired. I am like, 
I'm not in the space to have a conversation really, you know, we're just kind of walking around brainless right now still in this, in this, at this time of the morning. And this, we, started, we started talking, the guy asks us why we were here, and uh, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I know where this is going to go now, because usually this is where it goes. And, and I, I'm like, God, I don't really feel like talking. I don't, I feel like, I know this guy probably needs you right now, but I really don't want to share, I don't want to share my story, I don't want to talk, I just, can we just not go there? And this, you can never say no to God in these moments. Like, like you know, and so I, I, we started talking and he asked me why, why I'm here. I begin to share while we're here. He begins to ask me, okay, kind of inquire more. So then my wife kind of peeps up. And so now I'm feeling my wife is expecting me to be like the man of God in the moment, share my story. She's like pulling on face. She's waiting for me to like now prophesy. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not prophesying over it. I'm not, I don't want, I don't feel like hearing God right now. It's, honestly, I'm just being honest with you. Ever felt like that before? Come on. I'm just showing you my humanity. And and so I, I start to share my story. And I, even that, I was like, I don't want to talk. I just don't want to get, you ever felt like that before? Like you don't want to get into a deep conversation? I don't want to talk right now. So I'm sharing my story. And I'm like, no no energy behind it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I was 18. I was in the car on the highway. And I had this encounter with God. And it was awesome. It was crazy. And God made himself real. And I started to get more energy as I was sharing it. And I'm like, but still, I'm like, God. and now Michelle sits down at the desk. So now I'm like, so now it's like I feel like I have to go even deeper because now she's making herself very obvious it's time to have a conversation, Sean. Like, so I can tell she's pulling on me, expecting me now to get some powerful word from God, you know. And then she starts talking, sharing about the story and then I start talking and then we're going and then I'm like, okay, fine. And so I'm like, God, is there anything you want to say? Because actually I wanted to stop talking at that point. Let's just go right for the jugular. Like, listen, we're going to go here. We're going to go here. So God, give me a word. So I had a little word for him. It's kind of general, you know, about who he is, what his character was like. And you kind of tell he was like, you know, he's this rough, rough-looking type, type dude. And he was like, oh, that's cool. It kind of, you could tell that he was like, oh, you could have just, you know, made that up or seen that, you know, naturally on me, whatever. I could tell he was resisting me a little. Then I'm like, I started, and then I had a word about a timeline in his life. And then you could tell he started getting a little bit more curious. Then I had a word about his family and his sister. Then I could tell he got his attention. But still, you could tell he was like, you know, you could just be guessing all this stuff. And then I heard the Lord say, because I could feel a resistance. I'm like, God, you need to give me like the, where's the jugular of this one? God said, ask him who Anne is. So I said, so after all that, I said, and now I'm like, okay, a little more energized. And now I'm like, either this is going to go really good or it's going to give me the reason to get out of the conversation and peace, you know, like. So I said, who's Anne? And literally, Michelle and I both watched him go back in his chair, and he's like, whoa. And, that's like, and it was almost like, now you have my attention. Like, all eyes on what was happening now. Michelle noticed it. Like, she literally, he went back in his chair. It was like, okay, who are you? And uh, long story short, I began, I began to give him this word about Anne. Anne actually owned the, the, the store and managed the store, and he was in, like, let's just say a relationship, an unconventional relationship. And it the, the long, long short of it is, it was a really cool moment. God gave me more about what was around that, more about why God spoke to me, the name. We ended up praying for him in the story. He had an encounter, like a literal opening in his heart encounter with God. It was an incredible moment. And I, just, I say all that to say is that in those moments when you don't feel it, those are usually the most powerful moments to go for it. Sacrifice is never about what you feel prior to it. In fact, sacrifice often feels like nothing. As in, you don't feel excited to sacrifice because sacrifice usually hurts. 
But that's where God breathes the most is on sacrifice because he knows it wasn't about you. It wasn't about your own effort. It wasn't about your own confidence. It was all him. You did it out of dependability because he could depend on you. I want to be that dependable servant, that dependable friend. When God speaks, I'm all in. I share that with you because that should be our heart to be dependable. But to be dependable, we have to be responsible with what we have. You know what you have? You have a testimony of God's goodness. You have a testimony of what he's like. Share that. Start there. Start there. I had nothing. But I started with what I had. I was dependable with what I had. You tracking with me here? The sacrifice of dependability. Number two, write this down. The sacrifice of being in charge. He says, who is the dependable manager full of common sense? Then he says that the master puts in charge of his staff. He's in charge, not just managing. You can manage things in life. But when you're in charge of people, when you are in leadership over people, everyone in this room, whether you know it or not, you're called to be a leader. Maybe it's of your family, within your family, on your street, in your career, in your job, in your church, in your community. In some capacity, you are called to influence another. Therefore, that makes you a leader. You may not be a leader of hundreds or thousands, but maybe you're a leader of two or three or five or ten. You're called to be a leader. And if you're in charge or you've been given charge over people, over situations, there is sacrifice connected to that. Leadership is both bitter and sweet. You know that? Leadership will change you for the better if you let it. Because when you're in the people business, people will change you. I said last week, I said to all of you last week, if you were here, I said, talk about people getting hurt by the church all the time. Right? And then leaving the church, you get hurt. And I was saying how being hurt is normal part of human relationship. You will be hurt. You will be portrayed. And I said it on the platform. And it might have sounded like I'm you know, this, you know, all messed up individual. I was just saying, honestly, I'm saying I've probably been hurt more by the church than anybody, by the, uh, any of you in the room. And I'm still here. Because I know that it's just people. And we're all on a journey, you guys. We're all on a journey. We're always going to get hurt. It, doesn't, it shouldn't stop our responsibility in life. You get what I'm saying? It should not response our dependability in life. The sacrifice of being in charge looks like going through bitterness, coming on the other side of it, sweet. Going through bitter, coming in sweet. I remember I woke up years ago and I heard this. I thought it was a parable. I thought it was uh, a, a proverb. I heard an audible voice speak to me. I knew it was God, but I didn't know what it meant. I woke up out of a sleep, heard an audible voice say, the bitter taste of the sweet almond will be the sound of your deliverance. I'm like, for sure that's a parable, in the, or it's, it's a proverb. I looked, I could not find it anywhere. The bitter taste of the sweet almond will be the sound of your deliverance. You know what the almond represents in Scripture? Leadership. When Aaron's priesthood was being confirmed, his staff was put in the tent of meeting in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, and whoever rod would bud almond blossoms, ripe almonds, was to confirm the, the, the leadership of that rod. That rod represented the Aaronic priesthood. That 
Aaron's tribe, so to speak. And so Aaron was confirmed when the people were complaining about leadership. God's like, okay, put all the rods that represent every tribe in the tent of meeting, in the place of the presence of God. And the next morning, whatever rod buds almond blossoms will be a sign that that person is my leader. Okay, so I have this word, and I, I kind of know this when I get this word that what the almond represents at some level. But I'm like, man, and this was like a riddle that I played in my, because God used to actually speak to the prophets in the Old Testament all the time in riddles. He spoke to everybody in riddles. It call, it call, it's called dark sayings or enigmas. It's one of the ways God would communicate. Dreams often feel like enigmas. Dreams often feel like riddles. You know what a riddle is, right? And I'm talking to like people that understand what a riddle is. I, I literally was relaying this riddle over and over again for three weeks. The bitter taste of the sweet almond will be the sign. And I could not figure out what it meant. Let's fast forward now. 15 years later, or 14 years later, I understand what it means now. You want deliverance from yourself? Be selfless by leading people. The bitter taste of the sweet almond will be the sound of your deliverance. If you want to be delivered from yourself, from your own humanity, get in other people's humanity. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. If you want to be in charge, expect deliverance of yourself. Because yourself gets in the way. But when you live selflessly, sacrificially for others in leadership because you've been put in charge of other people, you're going to go through some stuff. It's both bitter, but it's also sweet the bitter taste it might taste bitter but when you digest it and you get through it and it goes down where it needs to go it becomes sweet the reward is sweet but the taste the interaction might be bitter that's what leadership looks like being in charge number three write this down number three the sacrifice of generosity we're almost done sacrifice of generosity it says here that the master puts in charge of his staff to feed them well, to take care of them. As managers, we are called to be generous, to take care of what's been given to us, to grow what's been given to us, to feed what's been given to us, to love what's been given to us, to be responsible with what's been given to us. But it feels like sacrifice. It feels like sacrifice, the sacrifice of generosity. Generosity, you guys, is always sacrifice. If it doesn't hurt, it's not generous. You might be a giver, but generosity looks like sacrifice. It costs you something. It's always quiet in here. You're absorbing, right? Not just observing, you're absorbing two different things. Observing and absorbing are two different things. I hope that you're absorbing. Generosity looks like sacrifice. Sacrifice hurts. Generosity is always sacrifice. They're always attached. When you give of yourself and you are generous with yourself, it costs you something. Romans 12 verse 1 says we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. That is our generous act to God. What did God do? John 3 verse what? 16 says what? For God so was in love with the world that he what? He gave what? Himself as the sacrifice. The most generous being in the cosmos gave of himself sacrificially to change the game for all of us. 
to give us access to relationship. Sacrifice always looks like generosity. And there are people in this room that have sacrificed over the years, especially in our House of Hearts offering, financially blows my mind. People on our team, people in family here that have literally like given everything at times. And to see the fruit and the reward in their life now, I'm like, God loves, I, I, you can't convince me that God doesn't love sacrifice. I mean, it's in Scripture, and I, I believe it, and I've lived it, but I, I, you can't convince me when you see lives transformed when you give everything to God. I'm not saying you give everything all the time in every season. you got to know what season you're in, but there are times when God's like, be all in. At the very least, with your life, with your attitudes, your mind, your relationships, what you think about. Number four, write this down, last one. The sacrifice of integrity. I love this. It says in the latter part, it says, he is a blessed man if when the master shows up and he's doing his job. Integrity is not what you do publicly. It's what you do privately. Integrity is not how you live publicly, how you perform before people. It's how you live privately. If you want to measure a man's integrity, measure a woman's integrity, it's their private life that's taken into account. What do things look like behind the scenes? You want to know the integrity of the restaurant? Go to the bathroom. The bathroom's dirty. Run as fast as you can out of that restaurant. Right? If, you're not, if you can't take care of what people see publicly, for sure you're not taking care of what people don't see privately. Usually it's not both ends. Usually it's, that's how it rolls out. If you even on the outside look like things aren't being taken care of publicly, for sure in the private scene, things probably aren't being taken care of. So we're going to send some team around to see all your bathrooms next week. I'm just joking. No, totally joking. But honestly, it's true. Integrity. How you live behind the scenes. How you manage your finances, how you manage your relationships, how you manage your time with God, everything, your priorities, all these things are taken into account. Integrity, humility, they are all connected. It's your responsibility to sacrifice for integrity. You guys, listen, integrity looks like sacrifice. As a leader, you can't just do what everyone else does and think you can get away with it. You know how many times, listen, that I want to go on social media platforms and fight people. I literally will sometimes write out my fight plan in my own notes but never post it because I get so upset. But listen, if you go on social and you're always just spewing out all your thoughts, you're going to lose your leadership responsibility and authority. People won't trust you. You can't just go and vomit over everybody and expect to be a leader. When you are a leader and in charge, there is sacrifice to be integral. You can't just say what you want when you want to say it. You can't just do what you want when you want to do it. You see what I'm saying? There's a sacrifice to remain integral. And it's, listen, this is the thing, you guys, too. It's also optics. If I could save somebody an issue optically, I'm not going to do it. Does that look like bondage? No, to me, that's not bondage at all. It doesn't mean, as, it doesn't mean so much to me that I have to do it publicly for myself if I know it might really bother somebody. Now it's very different when it's truth 
than like some frivolous little thing that doesn't really matter in the realm of eternity. Like I cannot do something that I want to do to save somebody's optic of being offended or being of being hurt. So I'm just not going to do it. Integrity is huge. There's a sacrifice attached to it. 